Welcome to a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large for January 21st, 2022. This is your public radio station, KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellams. On today's show, help for creatives, nonprofits, and others wrestling with the reality of fundraising. So we always try to approach anything with listening. We don't want to do anything unless it's something that the community is asking for and is already excited about and wants to do. A year of learning starts with help for fundraising. That's in our second half hour. In just a few minutes, Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics will look back at some of the week's news and explain how he and his colleagues are looking ahead to the rest of 2022. COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations continue to rise in Arkansas. Yesterday's report from the Arkansas Department of Health includes 11,160 new cases diagnosed, eight newly confirmed deaths from the virus, and a net increase of 40 patients in Arkansas hospitals because of coronavirus. There are now 1,640 virus patients in the state, another record number of patients for the entirety of the pandemic. Oklahoma recorded more than 13,400 new cases in the last 24 hours. The weekly survey of Arkansas school districts with at least 50 or more new known infections per 10,000 district residents is at a new high level, 100 percent. The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement reports every school district in the state has met that threshold. Four districts, none of them in the KUAF broadcast area, have hit a level of 5 percent of the local population in those districts infected with the virus. The weekly report concentrates on residents in a district, not specifically people in the school system. A new program from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences aims to prepare K-12 students for careers in science, technology, engineering, math, and healthcare. The UAMS Pathways Academy is now accepting applications for all four of its programs in five cities statewide. The Academy's director, Shanae Nelson, says the program's curricula, designed to primarily help students from underserved communities. That is uh, really focused again on, on STEM and healthcare, but also addressing some of the barriers that we know um, students who we are, are focusing our attention on. Our target population does include uh, students who are eligible for TANF benefits. Um, so those who are, um, are in most need of our services and guidance. Students can enroll in the Academy's two-week summer intensive, then continue to take Saturday classes throughout the school year. Nelson says the programs take a holistic approach that considers the whole student, their parents, and the community. And we believe that we can make a real, we, we will make a real impact in that, um, in that area by, by taking that holistic approach. Nelson says the Academy was made possible through a partnership with the Arkansas Division of Workforce Services with the hope of bringing more diversity to the state's healthcare workforce. Applications will be accepted through next month with a soft launch of the program scheduled for May. And the Arkansas Razorback women's basketball team now 2-3 and three in the SEC after last night's 99-71 win over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Arkansas will be in Bud Walton Arena Sunday afternoon to play Mississippi State at 3 o'clock. Good Friday to you. This is Ozarks at Large. And to help us celebrate Friday, we call in Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. He's in his Fort Smith office. Michael, you know how I feel about winter. Why don't you tell me something that will make me feel a little bit warmer? Um, we're still, we still can watch football for a few more weeks. There you go. I'll, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that. And we're not that far away from college baseball. Right. But I'm just I'm hunkered down here in the house. I, I'm uh, just waiting to see who the person is that wins the uh, last person to get COVID in Arkansas lottery. Boy, so I think uh, it's between me and like 28 other people at this point. So <laughs> I, I was out of the running early. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was, no, but I, 
now that I've said that, now that I've joked about it, I'm sure COVID's going to be knocking at my door tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. it's everywhere. Hey, funny boy, here we get. <laughs> here I am. It is everywhere. Uh, let's let's review some of the things that happened in this past news week. Let's start with uh, an investment that is being made by ArcBest into something called Phantom Auto. Yes, this is um, this is interesting and. You know, I've seen, we've seen a lot of high-profile, high-tech companies around the country, including Walmart and J.B. Hunt right there in Northwest Arkansas, invest in some of these very advanced technology companies um, out of uh, out of California, out of the Silicon Valley area. You know, Walmart obviously is interested in final mile delivery services, as is J.B. Hunt. And so here comes ArcBest, this Fort Smith-based company, which is really turned it on in the last four or five years. It's been interesting to watch them grow into uh, grow into different avenues other than just, you know, trucking. So they've invested in Phantom Auto. It's a $25 million investment. Uh, it gives them a seat on the board. Mike Newcity, their uh, chief, the ArcBest chief innovation officer, will be um, uh, on, on the Phantom Auto board of directors. And Phantom, what Phantom has done and where they've gained some attention nationwide um, is in a unique um, software that uh, that allows for automated driving. For example, uh, one of the things I found interesting, there's a Forbes story on this company where they apparently have one of the best software platforms uh, for forklifts, robots, and other type of operations inside a warehouse. So if you want to... Um, either reduce the labor cost or you want to increase efficiency, however you want to look at it. Um, this company is at the forefront of doing that. And so if you're a company like ArtBest with um, a growing logistics brand, a growing logistics service, um, you know, they just bought uh, Molo, a company out of Chicago, $250 million deal for the logistics um, shipping services. So you start combining all that then with the software to make that more efficient. Um, I mean, that, that could be big things. And mm -hmm. so uh, ArcBest, which was, you know, 10 years ago, was primarily a less than truckload carrier, uh, will at some point we're going to consider it almost like Walmart. We consider Walmart, it's now do you define them as a retailer or a technology company? Mm. And that will be the same, I think, for ArtVest at some point. Are they just are they a trucking company or a technology company? And I don't think there's I think the answer to that is yes. You know, they are. Um, and ArtVest announced one thing I thought was interesting. They have not, if they had, I've missed it before. But they said they invest approximately four percent of their annual revenue uh, in um, the technology and innovation. Now, keep in mind, the revenue for the first nine months of this year or first time that's a 2021, we'll get the full year here in early fe February, but their revenue in the first nine months was two point, almost 2.8 billion. So four, 4%, four mm. that's not a, you may think 4% <laughs> is a small number, but the amount is not out of two point, roughly 2.8 billion. Um, and now 25 million, again, on an, another point of perspective, may seem like a lot to you and I, especially to journalists like us who don't, who will never see two point, uh, 25 million unless no. it is in print. But um, they had cash and cash equivalents at the end of the first nine months of about 408 million. So they are a company, uh, Judy McReynolds, the CEO, chairman and president there. Um, she has the wherewithal to, to make these kinds of <clears throat> strategic investments. So uh, at a time when cash is king in the corporate world, um, they're, they're, I, our best is well-situated. Well, I am by no means a Luddite. And if you're someone like ArcBest, you, you've got to stay up because other people are doing this. But when I hear about these forklifts that can be, you know, don't need a driver, I do also think about, well, there are some jobs that won't exist in the future. Right. Well, that there won't. That's right. There will be some jobs that won't exist in the future, but there will be other jobs mm. that exist. Somebody has to make those automated forklifts. That's Somebody true. has to develop the software. You know, there were at one point several hundred thousand jobs 
uh, in the sector that made horse and car- uh, the carriages for the horse-drawn carriages. Those jobs don't, don't no longer exist. No one is bemoaning that. Um, and I think I think that's this is just a natural progression of of progress. The transition often can be difficult. Uh, I don't want to sound um, uh, I don't want to sound non-empathetic. There are folks that get caught up in the transition in a bad way. But I think uh, ideally, now granted, there's Kyle. There's a whole discussion about income equality and that kind of thing we could go into. But I, I don't think anyone would sure. bemoan progress in the sector. Well, you mentioned uh, horse and carriage. There is a brand new pin that you can get through the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum. That is uh, something you can put on your lapel, and it is uh, a pin replica of an image created by John Bell Jr. Well, holy cow! You're still the king of segways. Good lord! Okay, okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. Okay. All right. Well, John Bell Jr. name is, in all likelihood, going to be attached to these new sports fields in Fort Smith. Yes. Yeah, we've talked about it before, but it, the the deal is done, as they say. Uh, the Fort Smith Board of Directors has voted to name uh, the park, the city sports field. It's about a 51-acre sports field. Uh, and it's it's just in the early stages, very early stages of development. Uh, but it'll be the John Bell Jr. Park. And um, I think it was pretty much unanimous um, to, to do this. There was a, um, a, a contest. Not really. It wasn't a contest. They received public input. And I think um, the Parks and Recreation Commission unanimously approved this. And then the board unanimously approved it. I think it, most folks know John Bell Jr., iconic artist, Fort Smith native, uh, painted a lot of imagery of the history of Fort Smith and the history of Northwest Arkansas. I think there's a, there are a lot of prints out there of, uh, around Fayetteville, around Eureka Springs. He was commissioned to do a lot of art. Uh, the Subiaco uh, Abbey he was commissioned to do that and um, a lot of work. His, some, his work is even in the Country Music Hall of Fame. He painted the uh, an image of Roy Acuff on a fiddle that was presented to him when he was uh, uh, entered into the Country Music Hall of Fame. So uh, his artwork has been, he's had art presentations in Memphis and New Orleans and, and Washington, D.C., just a few that pop into my head from memory. So it was good to see uh, see Mr. Bell, who died in November of 2013. It was good to see this, um, this recognition uh, of him and Hopefully there will be some a plaque or something there at the park that explains to folks who who he was and uh, why the park is named after him. I, I'm sure there would be, and and you should check out the the pin that the Fort Smith Ram unveiled this week. It's a it's a pretty cool image. Finally, uh, we're into a new year, and talk business and politics has this um, sort of tradition of looking forward to the new year in the first month. You're doing it again with 2022, everything from politics to business to health care. Yep. We call it our state of the state and we, we look forward, we kind of capture, you know, where we, where we are, where we came in the last year and, and where we're going. Um, but it's a, it's what we call our state of the state report. It's a special section on our website. Uh, we launched it uh, Monday uh, the first story was from John Brummett. He's a columnist, of course, with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, but he does some freelance work for us. Uh, it is a great piece. I think anyone who's who's deeply uh, involved in the political scene in Arkansas to the political novice could would read and get something and and enjoy the story. It's essentially he takes a look at the politics of 2022, which really and. Democrats may not like this, but really the the political battles, the key political battles in 2022 are among conservatives and what John Berman calls no prisoner conservatives. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's that's that's where the key political battles will be. But we're taking a look at uh, education, um, health care. We're going to have um, uh, stories about technology, uh, banking, uh, trucking. Um, so. The, it's, it's about a two-week rollout of stories, but we'll have one almost every day. And I would, uh, if if you want to, if if maybe you've been um, not able to keep up with what's going on in the world around you, 
where we're providing you a sequence of stories that can help get you back up to speed, so to speak. Very good. And um, I just got to ask, I know you're a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> looking forward to September? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was uncalled for. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it could be worse. I could be a Royals fan. There you go. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Tilly is with Talk Business and Politics. You can read about what we talk about at talkbusiness.net. No, we don't rehearse our conversations. Michael, stay well, warm. <laughs> talk to you next week. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I hope so. Thanks. That's guitarist Bill Frizzell in the background playing Far Away. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from Bill Frizzell and Charlie Hayden, Rick Margitza, Pete Zimmer, and much more on this edition of Shades of Jazz every Friday and Saturday right here on KUAF. Shades of Jazz tonight at 10 on KUAF and tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3. KUAF 3 can be found for free on your HD radio at the KUAF app at KUAF.com and by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. Support for KUAF comes from Malco Theaters, offering reserved seating at the Rogers Cinema Grill, Springdale Cinema Grill, and Razorback Cinema Grill and IMAX Theater in Fayetteville. Showtimes, tickets, and more information available at malco.com or the Malco app. This is Ozarks at Large. When did you establish your relationship with math? Was it early in school when you thought it was too difficult or fascinating? Creating a positive connection to mathematics at a young age is part of the inspiration for the Rosenthal Prize for Innovation and Inspiration in Math Teaching from the National Museum of Mathematics. Longtime listeners of this program will not be surprised that the latest award winner is Heim Goodman Strauss of Fayetteville, a professor of mathematics at the University of Arkansas, and he's been a guide over the years on this program to all things math. He was given the national honor for a project he honed inside classrooms in northwest Arkansas, a project that uses scissors, tape, and more than a bit of fun to teach about symmetry, surfaces, and math. It's called Tootie Tootie. He came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio this week to explain the exercise he's developed. He brought with him scissors and pieces of paper, pieces of paper that when folded had arched lines and what appeared to be a comic book-style eyeball drawn on them. And teach them something. There's a real novel idea here that really hasn't been in the elementary school classroom. It really hasn't been outside of a few graduate courses, really. But it's very accessible and hands-on and really fits with some – do you remember John Conway who has been on yes. this show before? It really fits – it's really to advertise some of his work in the uh, – really in the broader community to get it out to little kids. Who presents this award annually? Uh, this is administered through the National Museum of Mathematics in New York City, which is a terrific name for an institution. You know, they want to be, and they are, the National Museum of Mathematics. And I I, I really don't know any more about it, to be honest. I mean, Mr. Rosenthal, who endows the award, is clearly very interested in this issue, but I haven't really met, I haven't met him yet. I don't know. But. And there will be, I think, at some point, an award ceremony. Right. COVID has obviously yes. disrupted that. That was supposed to be last week. Well, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So let's get to this. What have you brought in in front of me? Right. So the name of the, the, name of the activity is Tutti Tutti, which is a memnonic actually for a particular piece of notation, 2222. Two, two, two. Uh-huh. And of course, the, it's silly and fun and memorable, which is important for this. And um, it takes... I don't know. We'll just do it. Yeah, let's do it. So, so I'll, just sort of, I'll just sort of keep all this in the. Here's how, here's what the kids will be presented with. Okay. They'll start off with this. What I'm showing you is a, a flat piece of paper with a design printed on it. Right. And you would tape the sides up to make an envelope. One critical suggestion from the awards committee was not to use real envelopes. Force the teachers, ask the teachers to print on real envelopes. That obviously wasn't going to happen. So this was a very good suggestion of theirs to, to tape up a piece of paper and make it on. You're, you're handing me the piece of paper and the tape as if I know what I'm going to. How you're do I make fold, it? Fold it over in half. With the design out? Uh-huh. And okay. then just tape up the three sides. And you don't have to tape it all the way, just enough to hold together. Oh, tape up the three sides. Yeah. So like. Yeah, just like that. Here? Yeah, like, like this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what we'll have is this standard piece of paper. Um, Here's another. Okay. So I'm going to tape this end as well. 
Uh-huh. So, so there's no way. I fold it in half, and the three sides have now been taped up. So it's That's like right. a. You call it an envelope. I would almost call this like a pocket. So now all you do is you cut open on the thick lines that are printed on the so-called envelope. So just start at one corner and just start. Not all the way through, though. Not all the way through. That's really important. Just okay. So. Stick. Ah, I see. So I'm going to cut here, and I'm going to follow. Uh huh. All right. <gasps> okay. Keep going. Oh, all the way. All the way to the. Okay. And then unfold it, and. Oh, so I've now unfolded. All. What? What? Just all the way. Oh. Oh. And this too. Okay, so now it has unfolded, and it looks like this. Oh my goodness! It's turned into a whale. The next part is that they fit together. Okay, so now we're taking the one I cut out and one that had been previously cut out. This is like a cooking show. Suddenly, yeah. there's another one that's ready to go. And they fit together like so. They sure, they sure do. And they fit together like so. Oh, different ways. And like this. What was important here was not that we had this particular set of lines. We could have cut up an envelope in any any kind of way with some minimal rules. And when you unfold it, you'll have this shape that then you can fit together copies of it to make a pattern that can go on forever. So the punchline is that in this pattern, there's all kinds of 180-degree rotations, what we call two-fold rotations. Right. And those are all around certain pivot points. And mm-hmm. where were the pivot points? And this is the punchline. The punchline is when you do this, it may be really hard to see this without seeing it. But right. in a class, it's, it's obvious even to little kids, is that the, um, the places where there were two-fold uh, pivot points, rotation points, are exactly where the corners of the original envelope were. Interesting. And that is the entire point of 2D2D. So in other words, the, real, the biggest point is that there's a relation that is really coming from John Conway, is that there's a relationship between symmetry patterns and certain kinds of surfaces. In this case, the 2D2D symmetry type, if we want to call it that, the surface happens to be an envelope shape. And so that's how to introduce this idea into the world, starting with little kids. Let's just imagine I have an elementary school um, understanding of what we're talking that's about. That's helpful, so, yeah. Oh, yes, okay. Um, you show me this, and it's very cool, and, and it, I think I'm getting – but how do you say, okay, and this – take this beyond oh, this? Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. So the, that's actually very important. So one really key part of education in general and mathematics education specifically is to repeat the same kind of exercise in different sorts of ways. So what I just showed you was this kind of very fast version, which can actually be done in just a few minutes with a lot of, you know, even in a maybe a party setting if it's uh-huh. the right kind uh-huh. of party. <laughs> but, um, but the follow-up and – then, and then there's a longer activity that sort of um, uses it – takes, it takes a little more time. But it's really the one to, to do in a classroom where you sort of really mark these rotation points. And, so. and I sh- I'd also like to add that any teachers listening to this, I'd be very happy to um, – I guess we're in the land of consumer uh, <laughs> development up here in northwest Arkansas, yes. and I'd love to develop further activities, further materials if any teachers are interested in. Okay. So you, you said you you tested this out. You you marketed it with actual classes in northwest Arkansas. Yeah, thanks. And by the way, any of you who are listening, thank you very much. I really – that was so helpful. So um, what were the reactions like with the <laughs> students? I was um, – I mean it really was uh, uniformly positive so far as I could tell. Um, I actually had one of the most, honestly, one of the more amazing experiences of my entire teaching career was at um, John Tyson uh, School of Innovation mm-hmm. up in Springdale, where I was working with the students, and I, you know, I had my back turned to the class. We got to the point where they'd made the tiles, and they were learning how they they got the point, and then, and I, I happened to be taping this as part of the. Um, process of applying for the award. So I would have never under, I would have never figured this out had I not been carefully watching the tape. But in this, literally, my back was turned and in the space of about, I, I measured it, it's like less than two seconds. Two seconds, everybody else in the class spontaneously behind my back came together and assembled this large assemblage wow. of tilings just because they couldn't resist. So when the students actually take control of the class and push the lesson faster than you're even aware that it's going on, That feels good. That was all right. So I felt that was on track. I'm Goodman Strauss, is a professor of mathematics at the University of Arkansas and the recipient of the latest Rosenthal Prize for Innovation and Inspiration in Math Teaching from the National Museum of Mathematics. You can see a complete demonstration of his lesson at his YouTube channel that's called 
paper, scissors, tape. We have a direct link at ozarksatlarge.com as well. And teachers in Northwest Arkansas interested in his work can email him at strauss at uark.edu. That's S-T-R-A-U-S-S at uark.edu. He came to the Carver Center for Public Radio this week. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. An Arkansas congressman murdered by a Ku Klux Klan member was the highest-ranking official from any state killed during Reconstruction. James Hines moved to Arkansas in 1865 and soon was deeply involved in Republican politics. He was chosen to represent Pulaski County in the 1868 Constitutional Convention, where he was elected to be one of three Arkansas congressmen when the state was readmitted to the Union. While in Washington, he helped establish agricultural colleges and promoted benefits for black soldiers. In late 1868, he was traveling Arkansas seeking popular support for the Republican Party, but soon received death threats. On October 22, he and Joseph Brooks were heading to Indian Bay in Monroe County when KKK member George A. Clark, who had reportedly made threats against the pair earlier in the day, snuck up on them and fired a shotgun, hitting Hines in the back. Though the mortally wounded congressman identified as attacker before dying, Clark was neither arrested nor prosecuted for murdering Hines. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is Ozarks at Large. The Northwest Arkansas Land Trust's new NWA FarmLink program is taking root, connecting farm seekers with farmland owners looking to lease or sell. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Prolick reports on a historic farm parcel owned by the city of Fayetteville listed on NWA FarmLink. Susan Kohler is Farmland Preservation Manager for the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust. She hikes on a fertile Ozarks Prairie parcel this morning under lease through the Trust's FarmLink program. And we are in South Fayetteville off of Broyles Road on a historic uh, property that um, has connection to the Woolsey family. This property is a remnant of the former historic farmstead among the first to be settled in 1842 by Anglo pioneers Samuel and Matilda Woolsey and their 13 children. The city of Fayetteville purchased the land in the 90s to build a new wastewater treatment facility, but set aside the farmstead, including the family graveyard, smokehouse, and potato house for historic preservation, 44 acres of land surrounding the homestead have also been conserved by the city and is now restored as a tall grass wet prairie, complete with interpretation and trails. This summer, the city also agreed to work with Northwest Arkansas Land Trust to lease this acreage across from the Woolsey homestead to a farmer seeking fertile land to cultivate. And we're on about five acres and it um, is now available because of the city of Fayetteville's generous offer to allow us to promote this land on NWA FarmLink and to make it available for lease to an up-and-coming farmer. The application window on this parcel is now closed, but additional available farmland for lease is listed on nwafarmlink.org, similar to a real estate site. And FarmLink is a a new service that helps um, farmland owners of any type, including municipalities like the city of Fayetteville, um, and farm seekers to connect, to understand about the potential um, for relationships or opportunities. And... um, we approached the city, they were interested, and then they took this opportunity to city council and it was approved in August of 2021. NWA FarmLink is a free service provided by the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust that connects farmers looking to lease or purchase land with landowners interested in leasing or selling land, including this historic city-owned parcel. And so the agreement between us and the city is that um, the land trust will operate like a master lease and we will work to onboard the tenants and then work with them to ensure their success or, you know, find others down the road. We're optimistic that this can be a long-term situation. There's a lot of potential to use this land to benefit the community and then also to help a farmer expand or start up. Farm seekers applying for land are asked to produce a profile and detail their experience, which can be shared on the website or kept confidential, and if interested in purchasing, demonstrate financial records. We also are really looking for farmers that are interested in regenerative practices and um, doesn't necessarily have to be organic. Um, Certified naturally grown is certainly an 
option that's very popular in this area, and that would be a plus. But um, we do want to see something that um, would have, you know, conservation values consistent with other um, partners in the area like uh, the NRCS and, of course, um, to the land trust standards. This pretty little parcel is partly wooded with an eastern slope and a creek, but features lots of open, rich pasture. It's somewhat of a narrow track. It is about five acres. It's lined by beautiful um, historic pine trees that we think at one time served as the driveway to the homestead that was here. Um, We do believe that there was a garden in the past. There's a little creek bed that goes down at the bottom. I think it's Goose Creek, perhaps. And then um, even uh, an old fence that has a gate that has a lot of, um, we think, historic significance. Um, We've done some soil testing. We're learning more about that. And there's some areas that we think will be um, easier for people to grow in at first. Electric and water supply will be available with a private parking lot to be constructed by the city. The site has no outbuildings, but Kohler says ephemeral shelter sheds and greenhouses will be allowed. Susan Kohler says the new FarmLink program is fulfilling a critical need. We know from the USDA agricultural census that we have been losing farmland in northwest Arkansas, specifically related to fruit and vegetable production over the past decade, if not more. Um, While there are increases in farmers at the farmers markets, the scale at which they can grow and the heritage of fruit and vegetable production in Northwest Arkansas has changed. We'd like to bring that back, at least in part. And we also know, you know, land prices are increasing, just continue to rise like crazy. And, you know, farmers are retiring. They don't always have a lot of options. They may not have heirs that want to continue. And these programs are geared to help new farmers access land in addition to, you know, retiring farmers to know that there could be other scenarios for legacy planning. NWA FarmLink, one of a growing number of web portals like it across the U.S., Kohler says, is part of the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust's Farmland Preservation Initiative. Our farmland preservation programs include NWA FarmLink, the Farmland Access Fund, And these um, two projects are part of the NWA Food Systems Initiative, which is a Walton Family Foundation project. Um, We also work with the University of Arkansas Center for Farms and Food and the Food Conservancy, which is creating new market opportunities specifically around fruit and vegetable production. So there's a lot of resources um, at the fingertips of a farmer that might be interested in this property. Um, We're really grateful to the Walton Family Foundation and the Personal Philanthropy Group for funding this work. The Land Trust has um, a five-year grant to help fund this work. And, you know, we're, of course, optimistic that with success, we'll be able to continue to help farmers. And as they become more viable, it will be just natural for there to be more opportunities for them to continue, even if philanthropy is not in place. An array of farm parcels are now listed on nwafarmlink.org, including a blueberry patch, a market garden plot, as well as various farm acreage on Cane Hill, Markham Hill, and in Carroll County. Northwest Arkansas Land Trust's mission is to preserve and enhance the quality of life for all people across a dozen counties through the permanent protection of lands. You can view photographs and stories of their work on nearly two dozen perpetually protected public preserves at nwalandtrust.org. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. We offer congratulations to Commander Billy J. Farrell, who today becomes the 77th commanding officer of the USS Constitution and the first woman to serve as captain in the ship's 224-year history. She earned her Master's of Science in Operations Management at the University of Arkansas in 2009 while serving in the Navy. She says she hopes to strengthen the legacy of the USS Constitution through preservation, promotion, and protection by telling her story and connecting it to the rich heritage of the United States Navy and the warships serving in the fleet today. And also, congratulations to Ben Harris. This month, he became general manager of SONA, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas. Ben is a musician, an educator, and he's been part of the SONA team since 2012. As the general manager of SONA, he'll oversee planning and production of all orchestra performances and events, as well as educational outreach and community engagement. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. 
KUAF is supported by Little Guys Movers, a community-oriented company rooted in creating better lives for customers and employees alike, providing jobs and serving customers for over 28 years. More than just a moving company, littleguys.com for information. This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone from her office in Bella Vista is Becca Martin-Brown, who is the features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, how much uh, wintry precipitation did you receive in the middle of this week? Almost nothing. Thank you, goddess. (laughs) Well, good for you. It waited for a little while. I didn't look out because if you don't look out, it's not real. (laughs) But I heard it for a little while. But Fayetteville got the bad end of the stick. We did. We did. Um, But, you know, it's January, so what are you going to do? I was remembering the days when I used to spend the night at our newspaper office in Springdale because I couldn't get back and forth and I needed to be there. Right. Right. I don't think I'm that dedicated anymore, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Well, we've got remote facilities and capabilities now. Isn't it wonderful? Usually, yes. Yeah, but there are, are still things going on live this weekend. Tell us. Super cool stuff. Okay. The Ozark Mountain Music Festival in Eureka Springs is happening. Osmo Moo. Today through Sunday. Osmo Moo. Since we wrote the original story, the headliner, Ghost of Paul Revere, has canceled. Because the band has COVID. Mm. And taking their 10 o'clock time slot on Saturday will be the Ozark Mountain All-Star Jam, hosted by Sprung Billy. And it's going to include people like Opal Agafia and the Sweet Nothings and Michael Hopper and Sebastian Bordeaux. So it'll be a great performance. It'll be fun. This all happens at the Basin Park Hotel in Eureka Springs. And tickets for the whole weekend are $70 at OzarkMountainMusicFestival.com. And the idea behind this is you never, if you don't want to, you never have to go outside. You got a room there. You got the stage there. Just stay inside all weekend. Which I think sounds just grand. Yeah. If if you're in Fayetteville, there's a Symphony in Northwest Arkansas concert tomorrow night. It's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. It brings together a pianist and composer named Heather Schmidt and Paul Haas, who's the music director of the symphony. Two of the busiest people I think I've ever talked to. Yeah. Heather Schmidt is... Okay, she plays piano. She started playing piano at the age of four. She started composing at the age of five. She has double majors in piano performance and composition. She studied at Juilliard. She got her doctorate at Indiana University at the age of 21. (laughs) Right. She composes for video games, for TV shows, for film. And she composed the piece that they're going to do with Sona called Phoenix Ascending. And she will be there to play the piano for it. And so this is sort of a, you know, I don't know if I'd say once in a lifetime opportunity, but it's it's going to be a pretty cool event. It is certainly rare. She and Paul Haas met because he programmed that same concerto with the Thunder Bay Symphony in Canada that he also mm-hmm. is music director for. And they adored each other because they're both insanely busy and crazy. There you go. And so she's coming to town. This all happens at 730 tomorrow at the Walton Arts Center. Tickets start at $35 at sonamusic.org. Perfect. In Little Rock, their Arkansas Rep is opening their production of Designing Women. So it, it birthed here and now it's moved south to Little Rock. Right. And it's still a partnership with Theater Squared, but it's happening starting this weekend at the Rep. Performances through January 30th and tickets there start at $20. And you can check out therep.org to find out more. I wonder if there is any, if any of the members of the cast are the same as, as the company that we saw here last year. I do not know. Yeah, that's all right. I don't know, but it would be, if you missed the chance to see it here and you're sorry you missed the chance, opportunity strikes. Well, 
And I think even if you saw it here and you enjoyed it, it might be interesting to see it at the rep because I think it's gone. You know, this is what happens when a play's in its creative stage. It's probably gone through some changes. Well, and one of my colleagues, Eric Harrison, interviewed Linda Bloodworth Thomason and says that she's still hoping for Broadway. Mm-hmm. So see it now. All right. There's also a show called Digging Up Arkansas that is a collaboration between Trike Theater and the Walton Art Center. It's intended for kids to teach Arkansas history. Well, it was supposed to happen tomorrow for the public at 2 and 4 at the Walton Art Center. No. <laughs> Move to January 29th. For any number of reasons. Pick one from column A, B, and C. Yeah, this is column C. Everybody has COVID. Okay. So... It's a great show. I've seen it in one of its previous incarnations, and tickets are 10 to $15 at waltonartcenter.org. You will need to wear a mask when you go on the 29th. Gotcha. Last Friday, there was great excitement at Arkansas Public Theater in Rogers because it was their season announcement for season 37. What do we got? I love season announcements. It's like having a baby, but you don't have to take care of it. The big things on it are a world premiere called Survival of the Unfit. It's another play by Oren Softy, who mm-hmm. got to be friends with folks in Northwest Arkansas because his dad designed Crystal Bridges. And this will be the third show that APT has done as a world premiere right. for him. Checks and balances and things to do in Munich. And now Survival of the Unfit, which is about a guy named Samuel, who's a 38-year-old substitute teacher, Uber driver, supermarket bagger, hairstylist, still living at home with his parents, and he brings a girl home. Well, you know, that's always funny. And the rest of the season, season opens in the fall. They're still in season 36, and we'll be in season 36 through the summer musical. And if you check out What's Up on Sunday, you can find a preview of the Theater Squared play The Mountaintop about Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, I had uh, cast and director on earlier this week, and it's uh, I'm actually going, weather and health and everything else permitting, I'm going to go Saturday night, so I'm anxious to see it. There's also a really cool UA student production called Mental. It's just uh, some kids at the university putting on an original script about mental illness that will stab you right in the heart. Ugh, okay. Really powerful. There's a new exhibition at Phoenix Fayetteville, and we have a few favorite things from the staff at Rogers Historical Museum and the Charlotte Museum of Ozark History, things from their collections. So it's a fun what's up. All right, and you can find that either online or on your doorstep on Sunday. And they have, go to the replica version online, because that's the pretty one. Yes, I agree. And It looks like the magazine. And, 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 you know, I do that every day with the paper. That's, that's how I read the paper now on my iPad, the replica version. It, don't, just go read the, don't just go read the story thing. Right. Go see the pages. Because people put time and effort into designing them. And because I'm old and it's as close to holding it as you can get, unless it comes to your doorstep, so... There is no replica for Becca Martin-Brown, who is the Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. She joins us almost every Friday. Becca, we'll talk to you next week. Stay warm, stay healthy. Kyle. Take care, people. What interests you? We know KUAF listeners are curious and always ready and willing to learn something new. Maybe it's the market and finances. Next Planet Money, the case against non-compete clauses. And how Missy Park pioneered athletics. Or maybe your main concern is the health this of our is natural really the world. the first administration in history that has prioritized the climate crisis. Or your interests might be with the struggles of humans, wherever they may be. It's about two Latino boys who fall in love in El Paso. We thought only white people could be representations of the world. Two gay All of these topics and so many more are covered each and every weekend here on KUAF. You can find our weekend schedule of programs at our website, KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. The team at Cash, that's the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, is starting a year of learning as we start 2022. That year of learning starts Monday with a series of free workshops about the art of fundraising designed to help nonprofits, creatives, and artists 
improve their financial sustainability. Yesterday afternoon, we met with Kelsey Howard, Director of Arts, Services, and Strategic Partnerships at CASH, to learn more. So we always try to approach anything with listening. We don't want to do anything unless it's something that the community is asking for and is already excited about and wants to do. So we've been listening for a while. We're pretty brand spanking new as an organization. We've really only been around for a few years. And so we want to know what are the organizations, what are the artists already doing and how can we help support where there are gaps? And so we not only have been building relationships and just dialoguing and listening to what people's needs are, but we also did a survey with the first of its kind of both uh, nonprofits some for-profits and artists and individual creatives uh, last year to ask, what are your biggest challenges? What are the biggest areas of need? And we've taken that information and started crafting a year of learning where we set up a, a whole series of workshops and one-on-one -on -one consultants time so that we can hopefully help get that learning going around the need, but also just to get people in the same room, because I think people will learn from each other just as much as they will from any speakers that we bring. So that's what we're aiming to do. One of the biggest areas of need that we heard um, from that survey and from our conversations with people is fundraising. And it's just on, it's on so many people's minds right now. So that is why we're starting the year of learning with the Art of Fundraising Week and kickstarting on Monday through Thursday. And I know that you're inviting all who, who might be interested. That includes nonprofits that may have one or two or three uh, people working where fundraising sometimes just is so hard because you're trying to do everything else. Yeah, there's a huge scope of um, nonprofits in our area even just in the arts and culture nonprofits, because not only do we have organizations that have uh, very different missions, they have very different staff sizes, and just their organization structure looks different. So we know that people's needs are different, and we, we definitely want to offer time for people to network and get together and talk to fundraising professionals who may be wearing a lot of hats. Um, I, what, I used to be an executive director of a very small nonprofit that had a massive scope of work. And it's hard to wear all the hats and know we have to authentically, intentionally do our work in the community while also keeping the lights on. That's hard. So we definitely encourage folks that um, are at all scales of their fundraising planning and executing. Uh, how do you how do you become part of this next week? It's really easy. It's free to register. So you can go onto our website, cashcreate.org, and it's pretty easy to find because in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little banner that says register for Art of Fundraising Week. Um, and it's been in our newsletter. It's also on our Arkansas community calendar, which is another part of our website that you can find. And you just click on where it says register. It will ask you um, for your email and to, to sign up. And then you have access to all eight workshops. So you don't have to register eight different times for those workshops. You just register that one time. And then you will have access to any or all of those eight workshops. And then also, and you can see this information on our website too, you can sign up for one-on-one -on -one consulting time with a fundraising expert. And that's a different page where you just add your name, but there are slots available. So again, just visit our website and hopefully you can get a spot. And, and, and that one-on-one -on -one consultation, is that also free? That is also free. Wow. There, they're quick 25 minute sessions, but we really hope that it'll be that, you know, enough concentrated time to supplement the sessions. So participants that go to whatever workshops are most relevant to them, but then it's that extra step of meeting one-on-one -on -one and saying, here's what matters to my organization, or here are the opportunities 
that we don't want to miss and talking through some action steps and moving forward. Cause I don't know about you, but I feel like any professional conferences that I go to, it can either be really inspiring or it can make me feel overwhelmed at the end. Like, oh, great. As a nonprofit leader, especially, there's yet another thing that I should be doing. But I want this to be inspiring for people where they are encouraged and hear from each other about how we've all been so creatively solving problems, especially in the last two years that they, they come away feeling energized and have that opportunity to have that one-on-one where some of those like great ideas um, and inspiration from the sessions could maybe start manifesting into action steps and ways to get their board plugged in, delegate it to other staff members to get stuff done and not feel burdened with yet another thing that they should be doing. I, I know you said that one of the ideas is to get people in the same room. This is a virtual same room. Yeah, it is. Thank <laughs> yes. you. Yeah. When I say room, I mean Zoom room. Yeah, <laughs> right. specifically. Right. Yeah. I am really grateful that something that we prioritize at Cash is that the talent is here. The talent is absolutely here. And that goes for our artists, our creatives, our nonprofit leaders, and fundraising experts. So very grateful to the Momentary, the Walton Art Center. Um, to Crystal Bridges Museum of, of American Art for giving their time and, and development fundraising expertise to be our speakers, to be uh, with us to facilitate these one-on-ones. We've also got some folks that are out, out of the area, like um, from Inspired, uh, Inspired Philanthropy and Be King Solutions. So, I mean, we have a mix of local and out of the region, but I... I think people should just know that these people that are leading and facilitating these discussions, it's, it's hopefully a group of friends and it's a way to network. It's a way to have some lasting relationships with people so that we can do this together and continue to soundboard, continue to call on each other and say, what are you doing about this? Or, Hey, I saw that you're doing this for fundraising. How did it go? Or congratulations. It seemed like it was awesome. Um, just again, to kind of move away from that, that kind of scarcity mindset and just do this together, uh, which will bring strength to, to everybody's organizations. All right. I think we've, after next week, we'll still have 48 weeks left in the year of learning. So there will be more. So much more. Yeah. We, uh, are going to be announcing what the next bit of, uh, our year of learning will look like and, I guess just wanna reiterate that we are reacting to what the community has said is important, that we are here, we are listening, and we're gonna continue listening, Um, not just to plan future sessions, but I'm looking forward to listening and learning in the Art of Fundraising Week to see what um, our very (laughs) incredible, brave, fearless nonprofit leaders bring um to each other and to inspire everybody in the zoom room kelsey howard is director of arts services and strategic partnerships at cash we spoke yesterday by zoom you can find out more about the workshops included in the art of fundraising at cashcreate.org this is kuaf 91.3 fayetteville fort smith bentonville and Winslow. You can listen to us anywhere with the absolutely free KUAF app. Today's show produced by Timothy Dennis inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors to the show today included Jacqueline Froelich, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics, and Becca Martin-Brown with the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Take care of yourself. Thanks for listening.